0: There are credible reasons to believe that agents of the government of India were involved in the killing of a Canadian on Canadian soil.
1: No specific information has been shared by Canada on this case. Very specific evidence about criminal activities by individuals based on Canadian soil has been shared with the Canadian authorities on a regular basis, but not been acted upon.
0: The India-Canada relationship has plummeted to a new low in the past couple of weeks. While Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has accused the Indian government of being involved in the killing of Khalistan leader Hardeep Singh Nijar in its soil, India has rejected the claims as unfounded. Hi, you're listening to On Manorama's Explainer podcast, News Break, a weekly show that breaks down news in a clutter-free manner. This is Harita Benjamin, and today we are here to discuss the escalating tension between India and Canada. Now, a former Indian diplomat, T.P. Srinivasan, joins us today to shed some important light on the issue. He has served as the Indian High Commissioner in Fiji, the Indian Ambassador in Vienna, and India's permanent representative to the United Nations and the International Atomic Energy Agency. So welcome to the show, Mr. Srinivasan. So glad to have you here. Thank
1: you very much, Harita.
0: All right. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's move on to the first question. Now, Hartip Singh Nijar was shot dead outside a Sikh Gurudwara in Canada's British Columbia on June 18th. And the Canadian PM himself is accused India of being a party to the murder. Though no evidence has been published yet, the word is that the allegation is based on the findings of Five Eyes which is an intelligence alliance of five countries, which includes uh, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, United Kingdom and United States. So uh, what is your take on the authenticity of these claims?
1: Well, how can we judge the authenticity without any evidence? Because we know that we are not involved. And when an allegation is made like that, and they say that they have the evidence, the first thing they have to do is to produce the evidence. And the two countries should get together and look at it and see what is authentic and what is not. So, in the absence of that uh, that kind of move, there is nothing that India can do. We can only say that we are not involved. And then what evidence they have, unless we have the evidence, we cannot check from any, any other source whether there is any truth in it. So, authenticity cannot be, uh, you know, taken for granted. And uh, for that reason, they have not really justified the allegation that the Prime Minister has made. Because he has not given any clue of what they suspect to have happened.
0: Right. Uh, So, India has rejected the claims and called it politically motivated because uh, it's definitely not based on evidence as of now. So, uh, could you shed some light on what his political motivations could be?
1: Well, the political motivations are quite evident because mr trudeau's continuation as prime minister depends on the support he gets from the sikh community not all of them khalisanis but some of them are and therefore he wants to keep his vote bank safe for which he needs to keep on appeasing the sikh community and that is the reason why he has not been able to do his duty of uh, uh, you know, preventing the terrorism in Canada and also some of them spreading to other parts of the world. So he is not able, this he says publicly, that he is not able to oppose Khalisani movements because they are his people and they have some, if they have some desires like that, there is nothing he can do to remove that. So that has been his justification. So it's a political justification and we understand that. But what is important to know is that under international conventions and various agreements that was reached after 9-11, now every country has a responsibility to make sure that nobody operates from their country against any other country in terms of terrorism. And that's an obligation. And therefore, no excuse of this kind of political excuse is valid. And we cannot accept that as an argument for their not acting on the request we have made repeatedly over the years, not to allow terrorists from Canada to attack us or attack our establishments or our high commission, et cetera. But they are not able to fulfill it, as they themselves admit, because of a section of their population has faith in, in Khalistan movement
0: right uh, so now uh, to put things in perspective let me just uh, put some uh, you know figures uh, into question here now the sikhs began migrating to canada in the early 20th century and after the operation blue star uh, and related developments in the 1980s uh, Canada emerged as a safe haven for the supporters of the Khalistan movement. Now, uh, according to the data which I observed, about only 2% of the nation's total population are Sikhs now. And uh, several pro-Kalistani groups, including the Sikhs for Justice, uh, which has been flagged by India, uh, has established themselves in Canada now. Now, why would a peace-loving country like Canada harbor such separatists for so long? Uh, so that is a puzzling fact here. Right. And uh, after all, Khalistanis, I mean, they form only a, f- a small portion of the Sikhs or uh, the Sikh community in Canada. So why would what does Canada gain uh, in harboring, uh, you know, Khalistan separatists? And uh, uh, to add to that question, why did India stay silent on the matter for long, uh, despite the intel on the matter?
1: Yes, we never we were never silent. We have right. been communicating with each other throughout, right from the beginning. This uh, issue arose, right. and the Canadians also have been support, helping, and uh, protecting our diplomatic mission. The High Commissioner and his staff are protected 24 hours a day, and uh, the, he cannot even go out of the house at any time without, uh, you know, presence of the Canadian police. And this have done for many, many years. Okay. And so there was a common ground on this that they will try not to hurt Indian interests or Indians in any way. But at the same time, they could not ban them or they cannot arrest them and put them away uh, because he has the obligation to keep them happy for his own political future. So we have been discussing it. We have been taking action. They have been taking action. And even when the Kanishka aircraft was blown up by the uh, terrorists, the relationship between India and Canada did not deteriorate. That is what is more mystifying now as to why this charge is being made when it was not made all these years.
0: Exactly. So uh, now the two countries have pitted a diplomatic battle against each other. And visa restrictions, cuts in diplomatic staff, etc., have been used to see who will concede defeat first. But where does this end, and how should India tackle this, considering the large Indian diaspora in Canada?
1: Yes, it is difficult. Uh, yeah. But uh, expulsion of diplomats or uh, stopping visas, etc., are not very rare in diplomatic uh, situations. I myself was expelled from Fiji for supporting the Indian community. Right. So uh-huh. I know. I know exactly how it works. And therefore, not that we were supporting them in any particular way objectionable, but we were supporting them because of their rights. So we said that uh, this is apartheid in reverse. And, uh, you know, they must have the full rights as a democratic country. And we fought it for 20 years, after which, of course, uh, uh, they came back to a democratic structure. And they invited me back after that. So such things happen in diplomacy. These are not permanent. These are issues which have to be tackled in a particular way, and there is a certain code of conduct in all this. So, those can be resolved. But the problem is that this evidence that they say they seem to have are not being divulged, and uh, the, they are expecting those countries, the five eyes countries, to support them. And some support has come from the United States, which is surprising because United States and India have a very good cooperation in dealing with terrorism. And then for them to say we cannot give an exception to India, you know, such things are not permitted, etc., I think is a little bit uh, surprising. But this may have come up because of that uh, alliance that they have of these five countries who are supposed to support Canada in such situations. So that is why we are not protesting to those countries. We are only expressing our surprise and concern.
0: All right. Uh, so coming back to my question, uh, how does the Indian diaspora, uh, you know, stand to be affected by all this uh, in the short term and in the long term? I know, uh, you know, nothing is permanent when it comes to diplomacy, but at least in the short right. run, uh, how will uh, the Indian uh, diaspora there stand to be affected?
1: Well, the report so far from people who have been there and who are there and who have visited there, etc., there has been no change in the atmosphere. Okay. There is nobody, know. Uh, there is no bitterness against India or there have not been any, what uh, shall we say, any intervention in the proper lifestyle of the Indians. Nothing of that has happened so far. But uh, the fear is that uh, if this situation gets aggravated, then something may happen. But so far, whatever attacks have taken place are on Indian establishments by known khalistani forces, Khalistani people. Okay. so there is nothing has happened as far as the communities are concerned i have repeatedly asked several of our friends there some of them who have just recently gone there even they do not feel afraid or anything that happened to them but it is an explosive situation not only that they have an interest in india the business is very much important between canada and india so this kind of a break cannot last for long even yeah. the, the even the sanctions imposed by United States, when we had our nuclear experiment in 1998, the sanctions hurt them more than us in certain circumstances. Correct. And that is how slowly one senator or the other would say, oh, trade with India is very good, necessary for my state, so I don't like sanctions. So similar situation, it can happen in a reverse way that they may want to strengthen their solidarity with the six, and therefore they may withdraw. Uh, trade representatives or they may cancel uh, orders, etc. Then the situation will become much worse. So we need to, uh, you know, control this and India and Canada have uh, have a, a common interest in stopping this as soon as possible. We have not done anything provocative. We are merely saying, show us the evidence and we'll talk. And that is a reasonable position. But before situation gets worse, this has to be resolved
0: all right uh, you just spoke about the bilateral uh, trade aspect now bilateral trade with uh, canada fortunately accounts only for 0.70 of india's total trade and uh, but then uh, we have been exploring uh, you know different options of expanding this with a free trade agreement and so forth and uh, this was, however, called off because, you know, there were tensions uh, which were there between the two countries at that point of time. Now, uh, could this free trade agreement, uh, you know, be a reality in your future, even if the tension subsides eventually? And uh, what does India and Canada stand to gain uh, from if the FTA goes through?
1: No, 0.7% of our overall trade is not so small. Yeah. And uh, with uh, Canada, I think we are the 11th or so. I don't know the exact figures. The biggest trade partner, we are the 11th with uh, Forbes, Canada with us. So, which means that it is substantial. And also, we have other projects which are on the pipeline. And that is why the, uh, the trade agreement is being talked about because there is generally a reluctance on the part of many countries to sign trade agreement at this time because The global situation is not normal and they do not know what will happen, say, five years from now, 10 years from now. And therefore, there is a certain reluctance to sign trade agreements. You know, the UK, US, all these have not worked out. But in the case of Canada, they thought it was important enough for them because of this trade and uh, Indian trade, trade at that. And they also import a lot of Indian goods which are necessary for the community. So they thought it was important enough to have a trade agreement with us. And also please remember, we are not the ones who suspended the trade talks. We were ready to welcome the minister, but she uh, cancelled her visit and said that the whole thing is being postponed. So it was a provocation from their side. But we will certainly try to pursue the uh, trade agreement as soon as the situation clears up. It is very important for us and we would certainly want to sign More and more trade agreements with uh, our countries, particularly the developed countries. So we have an interest and they too have an interest. But I suppose because of the heat of the moment, they decided not to pursue it. But I think it should come back.
0: All right. Uh, so uh, now you earlier spoke about how uh, US reacted to the whole issue. And uh, uh, now if you're looking at the other countries of the world, uh, how are they placed when it comes to India, Canada tension? Now, US uh, has a very delicate situation at hand, because uh, on one hand, it should appear uh, appease its uh, neighbor. And on the other hand, India is very crucial uh, for its, you know, balancing act uh, in Asia, right? Uh, When it comes to balancing, uh, you know, the power play between China China. Now, US, Britain and Australia have not dismissed the allegations entirely, but they haven't completely sided with Canada either. So, uh, could you shed light on, you know, the power dynamics and the political power play which is there uh, here?
1: Well, this is the important thing that we have to consider. I don't know, you saw my article where I suggested that this great support that uh, the global South has given to India, of 125 countries, that seems to have, uh, you know, created some uh, feelings of, what shall we say, envy, or a kind of feeling that this was not expected, it was not properly negotiated, what is this global south, etc., it's not clear. We say we have uh, uh, consulted 125 countries, and these things seem to disturb the West. Because earlier, between G77 and non-aligned all that, we had no Russia, we had no China in all this. So there was an automatic uh, you know, loyalty or solidarity in the non-aligned countries and the G77 countries. But now they feel that this is becoming big and it might become a factor in the new uh, world order that we are all hoping for. So by saying that, by reforming multilateralism in a way, that is in an unconventional way. The India de- dealt with the uh, issue of a multilateral conference. You know, normally multilateral conferences are planned in New York, and one meeting is held in Delhi, the ministerial uh, then summit. That's all. But here we had more than hundred meetings in sixty states and all that. This, I think. And and the Chinese were the only one who expressed some doubt about it. They said, what is Vasudhaiva Kudumbakam? This was not approved by the United Nations. Sanskrit is not a language. So all this was showing a certain amount of irritation on the part of these countries on India's success. And that is what is worrying me because they should not take this into a situation where whatever consensus we have achieved in New Delhi is not disturbed. Of course, Russia was not named in Delhi while it was named in Indonesia. So there could be some disappointment on the part of the West and the United States that India got the Russians off the hook. So is there some kind of a reaction to this? It's just my theory. I've not heard (laughs) it from anyone. But I suspect that there is an element of this here. We expected it from China. But unexpectedly, it came from Canada. Canada. (laughs) And whether there is any story behind it, we don't know. But this this circle should not be forgotten. And uh, what we have achieved in Delhi should be somehow protected. And that also must come up in these discussions.
0: Alright, uh, so now uh, Sri Lanka has come in support of India, uh, you know, today and uh, there's a substantial, but uh, what is curious is that there is a substantial Tamil population in Canada who have migrated from Sri Lanka, right? And the island nation has offered India its support uh, in the diplomatic rule, uh, saying that Canada harbors many separatists. So uh, in this context, how genuine do you think is Lanka's uh, support?
1: No, Sri Lanka does not have a effective Tamil population anymore. Sri Lanka says that we have no minorities. We are all Sri Lankans. There is no Sinhalese, no Tamils. Okay. See, that is their position now. And therefore, there is nothing surprising in their supporting us uh, because they say, I don't know, I haven't read their statement. They are merely saying that there is no evidence and uh, it should be uh, investigated. There is nothing alarming about that. But uh, Sri Lanka's politics has changed since the war ended. And they don't take into account the fact that they have a Tamil community.
0: Okay. All right. So uh, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much, Mr. Srinivasan, for joining us today. Uh, And uh, for our audience, uh, TP Srinivasan's column, Global Indian, this time uh, features... Uh, the India uh, Canada uh, politics, and uh, it's called The Empire Strikes Back Against India. So please do log in. Mark, with a question with a, mark. With a question mark. Uh, <laughs> uh, please do log in uh, to On Manorama to uh, you know read his column. And uh, we hope to uh, have you back again, sir, sometime. Uh, so this is On Manorama's News Break and Explainer podcast, which is produced by Harita Benjamin with technical production by Idea Brew Studios. It comes out every week and is available on on all podcast platforms. Do follow on Manorama.com for more updates.